Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. It is a phenomenal Monday. Hope you all had a great Easter weekend or Passover weekend. I tell you what, I know around here we just had an awesome time. The girls all went out to the beach with Jetty while I sat here and finished up some late-night work after barbecuing all day. And, man, great pictures we're going to put up later. But just a wonderful, relaxing time. I invested a lot of time with the family. The girls had a blast. And and it's what it's about, just sitting back and, and being thankful, really, for, at least in my faith, for what it all represents. And I tell you, it uh, it's one of those things that I, I cannot... I can just not. I just love this time of year. It's a great year. It's a spring. It's it's one of those times when you you realize just how blessed we truly are to live in this great country. I told you last Friday that we had two, narrowed it down to two books. Well, part of the, being the, the part of the prerogative that I have of being the host of the show is that I can change my mind. And one of the things over the weekend, I was sitting here really looking at both of the books the one by David Blanchard and one by John Maxwell, neither of these books this time are conducive for a full radio series. And it's due to the fact that these guys really wrote their books as workbooks. So trying to trying to get that on the radio, I, I just have not figured that out. Well, probably over the year do some different parts from those books, but because they have work areas in them, it, it, you've got to actually have the book. We could do a great workshop that way, but it's the only way to make it happen. Today, though, another great friend of mine, someone who I was first introduced to by Richard Brooke, someone who has sent me not just me his books, but he sent my mom a copy of his book after after the book that we did on the radio show really inspired her. And his name's Chris Widener. Chris is a phenomenal coach, a trainer, a good friend, someone that has, he walks his walk. And today we are starting his, his book, Live the Life You've Always Dreamed Of, 10 Rock-Solid Principles That Will Absolutely, Positively Turn Your Dreams Into Reality. I cannot do this book justice, uh, but if you go to Chris Widener, that's C H R I S W I D is in David E N is in Nancy E R Chris Widener dot com. You can see what he's written. You can grab a copy of his book. But this is powerful. And I got I got to tell you, there's so much in this book. I wish we could cover it all in 30 minutes. No way to do that, especially in the beginning. But I want to share a little something with you because I this touches me. Chris has a way of just penetrating my heart. He starts this off, he says, I haven't always been what I am now. I haven't always done what I do now. I haven't always had what I have now. I can relate to that. I think most people can. He says, imagine being born to a couple where the man doesn't even want you. I could really relate to that one. Now, this next part that I'm going to say, I can't. I don't know if I can relate to this or not because I don't know what my mom went through in those early, in those early moments, in that early time when she told my 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 
I guess my wife would call him a sperm donor, that that she was pregnant. But here's what Chris writes. He says, in fact, he pressured your mom into having an abortion, which she refused. Talk about mixed blessings. On one hand, you get to live, but on the other hand, you have a father who doesn't want you. Not the preferred way to be brought into this world. Now, I don't know what happened with my mom, but I do know that the man I have learned to call my dad who adopted me, who has been my pappy, made it very clear to that man what he thought about me and my mom, and he married us. So I could relate to Chris in this. I thought, man, this is kick butt. And then he goes on, he says, you grow up bitter and angry. I grew up angry. I wasn't really bitter, but I just had this angriness. And, you know, I finally realized in in later years as an adult what it was. I wanted to prove to my pappy I was as tough and as mean as he was, and I could be successful like he was. Now, he wasn't successful in a world's way. He was successful in a way that I could relate to. Toughest man I ever knew, meanest man I ever knew, smartest man I ever knew. That boy could do more with his hands and, and his mind than anybody. I mean, math whiz used to just, you know, it just pissed me off because he dogged me so much about my math, I finally got it. I could relate. But I grew up I grew up like that, wanting to be and not wanting to disappoint. A lot of times I'd get in trouble just like Chris did. But just like Chris, something happened. And somewhere in my teenage years, I started to get it. I could be more than what other people expected. I could do more. Matter of fact, I was pretty tough and pretty mean and ended up having that channel through the United States Marine Corps to figure out that it isn't about being tough or being mean. It's about being a leader. It's about serving others. And I started at a very young age living the life I've always dreamed of. Chris put something in here from Teddy Roosevelt. He said, far be it is it far better it is to dare mighty things, to win glorious triumphs, even though checkered by failure, than to take rank with those poor spirits who neither enjoy nor suffer much, because they live in the gray twilight that knows neither victory nor defeat. I've been at the top and I've been at the bottom. I'm probably somewhere in between right now, depending on who you talk to. But I know this. My life expands beyond happiness to joy. And see, I think that's what we've all got to look at. We need to be completely content in moving beyond our comfort zone if we want to live the life we've always dreamed of. Chris writes this. He says, every one of us when we were young had a common trait. We were dreamers. The world hadn't gotten to us yet to show us that we couldn't possibly achieve what our hearts longed for. You Christians that hang out and listen to our radio show, there's there's something within Christianity sometimes where a person uses the following statement as an excuse. Well, I don't think it's God's will for my life. It seems like every time they hit a hard spot, any time they start to fail, any time life just sucks, I hear those words. Or I hear something about, you know, how, how because of one verse in the Bible, the devil must have stopped my prayers from going to Jesus. And you may be saying, man, you dog us a lot. Well, that's because I am one. 
So I can. I've learned this. See, something that Chris writes about here and something that just got me over the weekend is that whether you're a Christian, whether you're an atheist, whether you're a Buddhist, whether you're a New Ager, there's a common trait that what's inside of our heart starts coming out in our mind. We start to formulate things. God gave us this great brain up here. And if we will focus on it and we will go for it and we will weather the trials and the tribulations and we won't listen to the naysayers, we just might make it. That's what Chris was getting at here. But how many times at a very young age do we hear, no, don't do that, no, you can't do that, no, stop doing that, no, wrong. I have to do that to the grand girls all the time, but then whenever they do something great, I praise them. We have to do that. But like Chris writes here, eventually we start to let our dreams die. People began to tell us that we couldn't do those things we wanted. It was impossible. Responsible people don't pursue their dreams. Settle down, get a job, be dependable, take care of business, live in the mundane. Be a dull, negative, disillusioned crybaby. That's what we're taught. You know what happens when we do that? We live a forgetful life. But I've learned throughout history that great dreamers start to dream again. And it doesn't matter what age it is. And when you start to dream, you want to know what happens? You start avoiding regret. You don't go through life laying on your deathbed saying, I wish I had. Instead, you're laying on your deathbed saying, I'm thankful for. You start to make life and the world a better place. So I learned a long time ago through one of Chris's books that we start making the world a better place by making us a better person, by making our family happy, by making the community around us better, by serving others. You start to realize that the world needs people like you to dream something great and then pursue it with all your heart. You start to get personal and family commitment. And most of all, you stop trying to be a hero and you start living a legacy. See, I believe it's all about leaving behind a legacy that your family and the world can be proud of. But too many times people listen to people more mixed up than they are and they stop dreaming. I think right now, this series is going to help a lot of people. We've got to get a renewed passion for life. We've got to say, no matter what my physical condition, no matter what my mental condition, no matter what my financial condition, no matter what my health condition, we can make a difference. I've seen story after story of men and women coming back from the Mideastern theaters who have lost limbs, who have had part of their brains shot out who are rising above their physical limitations and saying we were put on this earth to be somebody, to do something. I've got a good friend, Orrin Woodward, who's gone through hell over the last five or six years. Spent millions of dollars defending his principles, defending people on his team, just to be ridiculed and slammed by outsiders. And yet I sit there and I, I look at it and I say, how many other men would have put their financial fortunes on the line to protect their principles for what they believe in, knowing that they could lose. And he lost 
tens of millions of dollars. I don't care if you like Orrin Woodward or not. When a man stands for his principles, I have to look up and listen. It means something. When we start dreaming again, order comes to our life. Big dreams serve as a focus point. We need that. Matter of fact, I think all of a sudden that that sense of personal fulfillment, all of a sudden you realize deep in your heart the purpose, the passion, the mission, the kazone, that's Hebrew, that you were created to accomplish. See, I believe God gave us freedom of choice, but I also believe deep in our heart he put a flicker of a light. And each one of us, it's different. And it's like, this is what you were created for. Now it's up to you to either go fulfill your mission or not. I'm not going to stop you. But so many times we want to use the excuse. And I've come to the conclusion of one thing. And you can take this one, I think, to the bank. We give God too little of credit. And we blame him for too many things. On the, on the second half of that, though, we give Satan way too much credit. And then we want to use him as an excuse when things don't go right. Oh, the devil made me do it. Oh, the devil got in the way. Oh, why did God cause this hurricane to happen? See, we love to blame everybody else. We might as well blame somebody we can't even freaking see. Makes it easy that way. They can't come back and smack us. See, this is what Chris is getting at. We can't blame other people. We can't blame our spiritual life. We can't blame the lack of a spiritual life. We can't blame the fact that we believe in New Age or Christianity or Hinduism or Buddhism or some other kind of ism that I don't even know how to pronounce. We've got to decide, no matter where we stand in theology, that we are in control of our personal destiny. No one else's. But we are in control of ours. We get to make the decision. And I know I've probably stepped on some Christian's toes again. Troy, that's not right. God's in control of our destiny. Not really. See, here's what God did. He gave us His Son, who died on a cross, with a promise that we would, if we would accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we'd get to heaven. If we accepted the promise, the gift. Here's what happens, folks. It doesn't matter. Again, it doesn't matter what you believe. Most of the time, we don't accept the gift that's been given to us by others, whether it's our God or whether it's people. Richard Brooke gave me a great gift many years ago. He said, I will mentor you. I will open the doors, but it's up to you to walk through them and create the influence that you need to create in network marketing in order to make not just money, but to be able to serve others. See, we have to accept this gift. Here's seven steps that Chris writes about to achieving your dream. Number one, well, before I get into that, this is written in the book, but I wrote it in my journal. Vision is the spectacular that inspires us to carry out the mundane. Chris Widener says that. Solomon said, 
Without vision, men perish. Now, Chris is a lot more, a lot more calm and cool and collected with his words than King Solomon. King Solomon just flat tell you how it is. Hey, if you don't have a vision, you're going to perish. Chris, vision is the spectacular that inspires us to carry out the mundane. It's like my mom. She writes pose and poetry and. Chris has got that that talent. I don't. I just tell people where they're going, what they're doing, and if they don't change, it's what's going to happen. But here's the seven steps. Number one, you've got to dream it. Everything begins in the heart and the mind. See, there's, deep in your heart, I told, there's this flame that says, I can be somebody. I'm going to do something. I just know it. You lay out there, and you're looking up at the sky, and you say, that I want to be, I want to do. See, every great achievement comes from that spark, and it goes into the mind. And when we allow ourselves to dare to dream, to believe in ourselves, the sky's the limit. We can't negative thinking, discourage us, get in the way. I don't care, again, I don't care the physical, the mental, the spiritual like you have I'm telling you dream the impossible there's still time Colonel Sanders 65 years old Mother Teresa I don't know she was an old fart but she was out there living the dream of changing people's lives you gotta dare to dream again Chris has a website and I believe this website is still up and I'm going to give you the um, URL for this after I verify that it's still still up and running. I've given you Chris Widener's personal website that you can go to. But he's got another phenomenal website, Made for Success, where there's phenomenal speakers and successful articles that have been written not just by him but Zig Ziglar and others. I challenge you to go there. Check out some of the stuff that's written because it will help you. The second step is you've got to believe it. You've got to believe it before it happens. I know, I know. Some of you Christians again are saying, oh Troy, no, that's that name it and claim it crap. No. I'm not talking about fantasy. I'm talking about reality. Even the Bible says if you think it, it's as if you've already done it. So your dreams need to be big. It needs to be something that seemingly is beyond your capability. Here's what pisses me off with people. This happens in the medical field all the time. We go into the hospital. We go to the doctor. We get all these freaking tests done. And then the doctor looks at us and says, Well, Mr. Troy Dooley, you have a mental dysfunction. You're probably going to grow up and have Parkinson's or Alzheimer's or something else, and it's just inevitable, and you need to accept the fact that you're going to die. I don't know why they call them doctors, and they're supposed to be professionals of encouragement and health. But see, I don't believe that. Do I believe that doctors are scientists and that they, what they say is accurate? Absolutely, 100%. But I don't believe there's any cotton-picking human being that can decide your destiny. Change your nutritional habits. Change what you're eating. Start saying, I'm going to make this. I'm going to pray. God, help me out here. 
don't just succumb to whatever. Oh, well, if God wanted me to be different, then by golly, I'd feel better. Bull crap. Tell that one to Jesus. I bet he felt really good being slapped upside the head with cat of nine tails or ten tails or twelve or whatever the heck it was. Having a crown of thorns slammed down on his head. I mean, when you actually get right down to this, folks, we got to believe it. Now, can you be 90 years old and say, okay, Troy, I believe. I'm going to run in a marathon even though I've got arthritis. No, let's be realistic. I said that. But, you know, a 90-year-old with, with arthritis might just have the focus to come up to making a million-dollar business on how to help people that are in that position. Number three, you've got to see it. Great achievers have a habit. They see things. They picture themselves walking around in the CEO's office. They walking around. What? Listen, it was 1990. I went back home and I started writing in my journal what my perfect day would be living in Destin, Florida. I'd get up every morning. I'd drive 45 minutes down to my corporate office in Panama City overlooking the harbor, and I could see Dolphin Island, Shell Island, actually. I'd come home to my big 10,000-square-foot home, and I'd push a button and my windows would open, my hammock would come down, and I'd be sitting there with the breeze coming in. Did I get all that? No. I live in a 2,200-square-foot house, right dead in the heart of Destin, three or four cars, six kids, three granddaughters, a beautiful wife who's a Harlequin romance writer. I drive down the beach and I just enjoy life. I don't have to go to some office building, pay the overhead. I don't have a 10,000-square-foot house that costs me millions of dollars that I'm still paying for. i got a nice swimming pool that belongs to me, nobody else. i got a privacy fence. I can barbecue on my own barbecue grill. I live in a place where people come and spend a week to two weeks, and then they got to go back home and work to pay off the debt. Oh, I saw it. And my dreams changed a little bit, and the reality is a little different. But you know what? I am just as happy, if not more so, as what I was dreaming and seeing. Number four, you've got to tell people. One reason many dreams never go anywhere is because the dreamers keep it all to themselves. I can remember this just as vividly as anything. Paige and I came down here in 1990. We drove home, and the first thing we did is said, we're going to move there by 1995. And we were telling everybody, we're moving to Florida. We're moving to Florida. The kids were saying, we're moving to Florida. When are you going to move to Florida? 1995. 1995 rolled around. Hey, you guys moved to Florida? No. Oh, why not? Well, there's a hurricane. Yeah, that's an excuse. Well, no, there's a hurricane. I mean, there's nothing to move to, really. they got to rebuild. Relatives that would say, you're just dreaming. Yeah, just kidding. he's just a dreamer. He thinks he's going to be rich someday. He thinks he's going to own his own business someday. He thinks people are going to listen to what he says someday. 1997, bankrupt, not a pot to piss in. January 2000. We never stopped dreaming. Phone calls started coming in. Opportunities started opening up. March 9, 2000, we moved to Destin. The last year of the last decade of the 20th century, we moved to Destin, Florida. And in the last 12 years, have seen God open doors like you wouldn't imagine. 
because we were willing to work and walk through them and meet people and do what we said we were going to do and serve others and build a relationship. You got to see it. You got to tell it. Number five, you got to plan it. We had an eight and a half by 11 journal that we started planning in. We started putting pictures in. We started writing down what we were going to do. We started looking at apartments building. You know that it was in 1997 when we found the apartment building we wanted to move into, but they were they had to stop construction because there was a, a sheetrock shortage. It was that apartment complex who had kept our name on a waiting list that in 1999, right after Christmas, called and said, when would you like to move in? Send us 50 bucks. We'll hold it. We don't even have it painted. You get to pick out the paint. We got a floor-level corner apartment, three bedrooms, brand spanking new. It was phenomenal. Don't tell me what Chris's writing doesn't work. you got to sit down on a regular basis and look at it. You got to break it down into workable small parts. Number six, you got to work it. And I mean work and work and work and work and work. There is no get rich quick. There is no roll the dice and you're going to be a millionaire. It takes sweat equity to make it happen. Thomas Buckner wrote this. To bring oneself to a frame of mind and to the proper energy to accomplish things that require plain hard work continuously is the big one is the is the one big battle everyone has. But when that battle is won for all time, then everything else is easy. It's funny. I watch Paige write her manuscripts right now. And they're all written on the computer. Do you know the the, the 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 epic war and peace was written in longhand, page by page. Think about that. Think about all the scribes throughout history that were, were for the kings and all that, and they wrote everything that happened in longhand. Wow. It's crazy, isn't it? Number seven. This is the last of the bunch. You've got to enjoy it. When you have reached your goal and you're living your dream, you need to enjoy it. Give yourself rewards along the way. Do it right. Man, this is what it's about. I, this is what I, this is, as I read through this, and I hadn't picked this book up, but as I was reading through it, I thought, this is great. I opened up the front cover of this book, and here's what Chris wrote to me in this book. Troy. Just dream. Well, I'm dreaming, folks. I dreamed of being with a woman that would love me, that would want to be barefoot and pregnant, and I married her, and she's given me six wonderful kids. I dreamed of being with a woman who would want to share my adventure in life, and by golly, we do. We just got back from Orlando last week. I wanted a woman that would love me the way she wanted to be loved, that would care for me when I was sick the way she would want to care for me when I was sick. I dreamed of kids that would want to grow up and live a successful life. Not a life like mine, maybe, but a life that they could be proud of. I've been blessed with very independent-minded children from the oldest to the youngest. A couple of them even kind of like what Dad does and kind of seeing if they want to do that. 
while the others are independent, spirited, going out doing their own thing. Not a one of them, not a single one of them has all the same principles or values that Paige and I do, but we sure see a lot of each of them in one fashion or another. Today, you've got to learn to dream. We dream to be in in our own business, not self-employed, but owning a business. Today, we own a business that has three or four different divisions. One of them run by Dalton, who's doing a phenomenal job. Paige with her for publishing. Mine with media and consulting and public relations. The girls with their own blog network. It's phenomenal. But first, it all started with a dream. And then along the way, we got a lot of help from other dreamers. And we helped other dreamers. And we're a long ways from the finish line, but you can do this too. Tomorrow, principle number two, vision is the cornerstone. This is going to be a wonderful ride up as we study and read Chris Widener's book, Live the Life You've Always Dreamed Of. Folks, have a phenomenal day. Be here tomorrow with me on Real Mentors Radio. Live life like it's an epic adventure, and remember, you are network marketing, so act like it. Bye now.